I have a lot of students that I get that say, yeah, I want to do the Neapolitan. I said, well, have you ever had Neapolitan? Okay, well, have you ever, I guess you haven't been to Naples, right? It's so much more than just making pizza. There's a personal connection to it. What's happening? What's good, Doe? It's your boy, Idriff. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, in case you're wondering. And if you're new to the show, welcome. This podcast is all about leveling up your pizza game. And today we speak with one of my favorite pizza makers, Tony Gimignani. And I'm excited to share this conversation with you because Tony is someone who's been in the pizza business for 30 years. And so he has a lot to talk about. He has a lot of experiences to share. And more importantly, we have the opportunity to hear his insights on what trends he sees in pizza, how to be successful in the pizza business, and really what it takes to grow such an enormous operation. He has Slice House, Dago Bagel, Tony's Pizza Napolitana, Capo's, all of these pizzerias. And so he's able to summarize his successes and the sacrifices that he's made throughout these 30 years to be able to get where he's at today. And there is just no stopping the energy and the thought and the time that he continues to give in pizza every day. But first, I want to thank Uni for sponsoring the show. Me and Tony talk about oven diversification and how it's important that when you're getting started, you need at least two ovens or maybe like a triple stack oven where you can have differing temperatures in case you need to change up your style or offer multiple styles. You can also do this with the uni by getting two or three unis at the start and being able to cook at different temperatures or just be able to pump out pizzas one after the other. With the Uni Coda 16 or the Uni Karu 16, the opening is big enough where you can fit a Detroit style pad in there. You can cook low and slow. You can control the temperatures, all of that. So if you're looking to make next level pizza or if you're looking to scale up your pop-up business or start one or anything like that, grab your Uni ASAP and get to making pizza. There's a special link in the show notes that can help you start that process. This episode is also sponsored by Pizza with Rose Hill Sourdough. Get 20% off Mike Bayona's most recent book. If you've read Baking with Rose Hill Sourdough, you already know what to expect. Next level pizzas. So check that out today. There's a special link in the show notes for that and use promo code WGD. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember to always ask, what's good dough? Tony, thank you for being on the show today. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. 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 I'm very excited to talk to you uh, because you're one of the greats. And I always start the show in this way. There is no right or wrong answer. What's good dough? What's good dough? For me, good dough is always about balance. It's not about over complex dough that doesn't marry with the ingredients. You know, for me, the foundation of any is always dough, the bake, the structure, the flavor, you know, the smell of that dough as you like tear into that crust. Uh, for me, it's, 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 there's a lot of factors involved, but uh, it's always goes back to balance when it comes to cooking. I think it's fair and just right to talk a little bit about who you are before we get into the deep dive. Um, I think that 
a majority of my audience will know who you are, but for that small, slight percentage that don't, how did you get into this wonderful world of pizza? Hey, you know, I was 17 getting out of high school, had no clue what I was going to do. Thought I was going to be a photographer, thought I was going to be in fashion. Uh, I wanted to be an artist back in the day when I was younger. Uh, my friends went off to college. My brother had the idea of opening up a pizzeria. I was getting out of high school. He was in the middle of building it. Grew up in Fremont, California, and he found a city called uh, Castro Valley, suburb of San Francisco. And that's really when I made my very first pizza. Uh, that's when I fell in love with it. I, then I just turned 18 as we were building that. And then we opened right after I turned 18. So I've been making pizzas for 30 years. Uh, you know, I've been in the pizza business for a very, very long time. I was with my brother at Paisano's for about 17 years. And then I would say my first store that I opened on my own was, was called Tony's Pizza Napolitana in San Francisco. So it took really 17 years for me to get from, for me to like leave my brother and kind of do what I really wanted to do at Tony's, you know, even though Napolitana is, is underlying, you know, under that name, um, it's not our primary, primarily focus. You know, we, we focus on other styles of pizza. You know, when I, when I thought of Tony's back in the day, uh, and that was just over 13 years ago uh, in June. You know, a lot of people just said, you know, it can never be done. You know, having multiple ovens, multiple styles, you're going to mix, you know, this style with this, St. Louis and Detroit, and New York and Grandma and Sicilian and Roman. You choose one and nobody ever did it. Nobody had coal ovens, electric ovens, rotating gas ovens, brick ovens, wood-fired ovens all in this kind of one-stop shop that also sells slices and strombolis and calzones. So it was a concept that nobody really thought could be done. I was this guy that at the time won a number of world titles in pizza acrobatics when I was young, toured the world, throwing pizzas from Fargo to Florida, from Italy to Germany. I learned, I was with Thai acrobats when I was younger, traveling across Bangkok and, uh, different places in, in Thailand. So for me, I, I saw these styles everywhere and I said, wow, this is great. Or geez, I went to Baton Rouge and they use banana peppers here. And it was before you could Google it, before you saw it on Instagram, before you could see it on Facebook. It was, it was a lot of traveling and, and learning and experiences and seeing buddies in Detroit or dollies in, you know, Detroit or these different concepts around in St. Louis and Emo's. So for me, I had all this knowledge, all this information. I wanted to do it in one pizzeria. And uh, yeah, that that's a little bit of a history. <laughs> Honestly, we could fill up a whole series on all of your accomplishments and the various styles that you do and have mastered. I think one thing that really stands out to me is that you wanted a one-stop shop. And it kind of reminds me of the question or just the phrase, jack of all trades, master of none, except that's not who you are. You are a master of many. Do you recommend for folks to go that route? You know, I don't know if I'd say I'm a master of all or anything like that. I'm always learning something that I'm maybe content for a moment of my life, but at the same time, am I always tweaking my dough? Am I always thinking like, Hey, that could be a little bit thinner. That could be a little bit thicker. Our dough could have been out a little longer. Um, 
Do I do that in my everyday operations? All the time. I look at something and it's not like, hey, I'm this guy, I want everything. Now I'm just, everything's cool. I'm not going to worry about it. It's, it's never been about that. Uh, but for me, I think diversity is important. The eater, the consumer out there is smarter. Uh, they want different, they want variety. They don't mind a Detroit, they don't mind a Cracker Thin Tavern at the same table. If it's done right, it's great. If it's done wrong, it's maybe still pretty good. But it's uh, it's one of those things. If I traveled around Chicago, did I have great Chicago-style pizza? And did I have bad Chicago-style pizza? I did. Did I go to New York and have bad New York and good New York? So for me, if it's done right, I, I, I look at it as the, the consumer now is looking for a lot and, and, and they're smarter now um, and they want to try different things. So for me, back in the day, nobody got it. Nobody wanted to do it. Everyone said, just just do one style or just do it one oven or you want all these flowers. Why do you want all these flowers? Or you want all these tomatoes? Uh, you're nuts. I mean, people really thought I was kind of insane. Uh, nobody really believed in it. And now you'll see guys having three or four styles and putting burrata on top or, you know, their little spicy honey over it. I mean, you know, 15 years ago, nobody really looked at that as being real. Um, but now it's, 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 you're cool if you do it. You're seeing a lot of people, customers wanting different styles. You see people taking on those different styles and kind of innovating I wanted to ask you if you see any other trends uh, for people in the pizza business or the pizza industry. Um, coming from someone who's seen the last 30 or so years, what do you see looking forward? Hey, you know, what's old is new again. I mean, uh, you know, I just had a course. I have a school that I run out of, out of San Francisco. I certify chefs there. We just had a certification, American certification last uh, about a week and a half ago. And did uh, out of the six students, did four out of the six want to do Detroit? Totally. Did four out of the six, uh, were they interested in grandma? Were they interested in tavern style, cracker thin style pizza cut into squares? Uh, for sure. So those styles have been around, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, those are very popular. Um, cast iron skillets, one that 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 uh, has become, uh, gained a little momentum around Sicilian. Uh, almost charred around the edges like at Detroit. It's something we started at Capo's a while back and we kind of paid homage to like the Burt's, Burt Cats of Chicago or, or uh, Pequod's. But you see like what Millie's is doing right now, um, doing a great job in Chicago uh, with his pizza. And that's very much similar to a cast iron pizza that's around, that's thick. So yeah, I think you may see like Cast irons, Romans, it's a little trendy. Pinza got trendy down that route. That's a style that people kind of jumped into. But then COVID hit. And all of a sudden, you know, the pizza shops that where you walked up to the window and said, wow, I love this Roman or this mortadella and pistachio looks great. Let me get all that. That kind of slowed down because people weren't visually seeing that. Um, so did Pinza and Roman take a little bit of a step back? They did. Did Detroit take off? Did, 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 you know, did a Cracker Thins take off? So yeah, th those are some that are getting popular. I want to talk a little bit more about your school because I wanted to take the time to just really commend you on one, the institution that you've built, but also what you've helped build in terms of certifying pizza makers uh, around not only the nation, but the world. 
I was fortunate enough to run into Steve in this very small town an hour away from Philadelphia, College Italian Bakery. Oh, and when yeah. I tried his pizza, yeah. And when I tried his pizza, I was amazed. And I was like, they have pizza down here and in, in, in this very small town. And then he he tells me that he went to your school. And I want to thank you because I think you are a huge part of the reason why there's quote unquote good pizza available in the places you would have never guessed. Yeah, Collegeville. Yeah. I, I went there and visited him and it was a drive. I mean, it was a trek. I was like, like, wow, it's way out here. And, you know, he has this old school bakery that's been there forever and a little store. And then he wanted to do multiple styles. And, and, and one of the styles I told him to do was Detroit. And he was like, well, I'm not sure, you know, if it'll go well. And then luckily he kind of did Detroit because during COVID, Detroit really kind of catapulted during COVID and it's become one of his most popular pizzas. And like I told him, I said, you know, sometimes when you open up a concept in the middle of a town that may not have Neapolitan, let's say, it, it may not work. If you bring this foreign kind of concept into a small town, it could be challenging. So I always say, hey, you know, open up with two ovens, two styles or triple stack it and do your, you know, electric oven on top at 700 degrees and do this kind of artisan pizza and then do your pan pizzas that work in that area. Um, you know, don't be too foreign from you know, your customer base, because what you like may not what be like what other people like. As I've grown, like the margarita is not number one. The margarita, best pizza in the world, won the World Cup in Naples. First thing it gets written about in any kind of story. And as I grew, is the margarita number one? Well, San Francisco, I run out 73 a day. We only make, we run out at two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock. I mean, it's go, go, go. You go up to up north two hours or just Sacramento two hours, you go to, you know, Las Vegas and it's, you know, 11th place, 15th place. What's popular for me in one area may not be popular for others. I have diversity. I have multiple ovens. As long as I'm selling pizzas, I don't have that much pride. I'm so upset that, oh my God, no one's buying a margarita. And um, to understand that in a, in, in a, in a world we are now, I, I just, you know, I would tell Steve, Hey, uh, I think multiple styles, you have a couple ovens, uh, something may work, something may not. And if there's a trend that's going to happen, you know, your restaurant can adapt. A restaurant that can't adapt to trend is kind of a dying restaurant. So you always want to build your restaurant for tomorrow. Don't build it for today. And I tell my students that because if something does come up or something's cool or everyone's frying calzones now, panzarotis are popular and everybody's doing it. And it'd be great to be able to do that. And you did have a fryer station or a saute line or an oven that had two temperatures, not just one. That is some sound advice. So you recommend for people just starting off in the business to automatically get two ovens? The guy's getting into it for two years and he wants to turn it. That's different. But if you're in it for the long haul, yeah. And that doesn't have to be two different ovens. It could be, like I said, a triple stack electric oven that could have different temperatures on each. It could be a double stack gas brick oven. Um, but I always say having different ovens with multiple styles or different temperatures, let's say, um, is like totally important. And I have had a lot of students that have left and did Neapolitan and got two Acunto ovens that are beautiful, put them there. Uh, it was great for dining then all of a sudden to go delivery and uh, catering came around and then, and, and they couldn't do it or their pizza wasn't that good. And you now having a margarita pizza in front of you 
once it landed on your table a minute or two after is great. When you're in Pittsburgh and you have a margarita pizza and it's, you know, 10 degrees out and you have it on a shelf and in a bag and that DoorDash grabbed it and put it in their car and it was freezing and they got to their house and it's 45 minutes later, that margarita just kind of became smaller and softer and wet and, and, and cold and uh, they don't travel well. So those kind of things I talk to my students about, hey, you may want to do delivery one day. You may want to cater. And what did everyone do when COVID hit? Everybody delivered. I mean, like it was, it was, I mean, you had to. So a lot of students out there have called me and said, you know, I did two Neapolitan ovens. People are complaining that when they get my pizza, it's soft. It's not like it is in the restaurant. And I said, well, unfortunately, you got a 900 degree oven that cooks in 50 seconds. And it's just, you could do what you do. But if it's in a box and sitting, it's, it's, you're really losing the quality and integrity of that pizza. So, you know, maybe you should have got an oven that had less of a temperature you could have did other styles with and then the one that you want to do. I hear what you're saying. And, you know, for the most part, I I cook with an uni. So it's like a 60 to 90 second bake. And that's pretty much why I ask all of the people trying my pizzas to eat it there because once it goes in that box, it is going into a coffin. I think John Arena says that. Um, But, you know, since we're talking about margaritas, what does it take for a margarita to impress you? Uh, because it's simple, or is it? It's super hard if it's done the right way. If it's a Neapolitan, you know, Verace Pizza Napolitana, a DOP, a pizza that comes out, you know, STG, like a standard traditional guaranteed pizza. You know, if it's cooked in the right oven, if it was opened up correctly on the marble, if it was cooked at the right amount of time and the right amount of sauce and it had the San Marzano tomatoes and it had either a mozzarella di bufala or mozzarella fiorla latte on it. Um, you know, that pizza, um, if it's done right, it, it's remarkably hard. If people think like, oh, it's just a margarita, has basil and cheese and sauce on it. Now it's, it's a Neapolitan, if it's, if it's charred, chewy, slightly wet, um, it should be like that. If that, pizza came out with like some sort of California tomato and it's, it's a sweet tomato. For me, it's, it's not really correct and not traditional. So I always say, uh, I've had margarita pizzas from places and they'll be using the wrong tomato. And for this style of pizza, you want this flavor profile for this, for this particular, um, pizza. So sometimes people will say, well, this is a better tomato, isn't it? I say, well, not necessarily for the style. I say, well, what do you mean? It, it's sweeter, right? It's it's ripe. It's great. I mean, we bought it in California. And I say, well, it's kind of like having a pastrami and rye. If you ever gone to New York and had a pastrami and rye, what cheese would you have on that pizza? Do, do you, I mean, on that uh, sandwich. Swiss. Okay, so I have a pastrami and rye with Swiss. And then I make you a pastrami and rye in New York. And I put Monterey Jack. And you're like... Okay, yeah, it's good. Well, what do you think? It's good, but I'm looking for Swiss. Yeah, but it's Monterey Jack. It's better, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say maybe by itself. I I don't know. Uh, Yeah, but, well, don't you like it? Is it better? I'm like, well, it's not really traditional. It's not the flavor profile I'm looking for. So when it comes to, like, ethnic cooking, let's just say, there's certain things that you want to try or a spice that's in there that you're like, okay, this is great. This is traditional. So when somebody is able to do it right, 
um, it, it, it's, it's pretty awesome. And it's, it's really the hardest thing to do. If, if you came to my school and you did every style of pizza and you worked a wood fired oven and it's hot and it's at Tony's and we're, it's going, 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 it, it's, it's very hard. I mean, you're sweating, you're a mess, you're here, you know, you, the fire's in front of you, you're turning it after 15 seconds of being in the oven, you're burning your hairs off your arms. I mean, you, you, you feel the intensity of it. So understanding that on a magnitude of doing 100, 200, 300 pizzas a night out of that oven, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a trade and it's a craft. There's something called respect the craft. I have, you know, tattooed on my hands. It's in my book. It's on my pizza boxes. A lot of times it's on the back of my shirt. And when it comes to that respect and uh, yeah, have I gone to Keste in New York and had Roberto Caparuscio make me a pizza and it's freaking amazing. Yeah, I have. So when it comes to, you know, getting a margarita, if it's, you know, in Naples, like Don Michele or Trianon or Brandy, uh, if you're going to, you know, different places, it's just, um, it's just for me, I think it's just the greatest thing in the world if they do it right. Do you think it's it's not respecting the craft if someone, you know, truly believes in using California tomatoes or it's just, you know, no, it's not just a, not it? Not at all. All I'm saying is because I use more California tomatoes probably than anybody. But for Neapolitan, if I were to say, hey, this is Verace, this is what it is, then you should be using a San Marzano DOP. If somebody does their neo-Neapolitan and it's cool and they're running at 800 degrees and super strong starter and it's cool and it's hipsterville, that's okay. It's it's good to me. I'm, I'm okay with it. You are synonymous with the phrase respect the craft. And I think on this podcast, something that I focus on a lot because it helps me is learning from people's mistakes or what not to do. Is there a clear example uh, that you've seen in the past or recently about someone not respecting the craft? Well, you know, that term came up when I was, uh, I was on my honeymoon, said I had to go by Naples. My wife and I were going to Sorrento, stopped off in Naples on the train, went to Trianon, ate Neapolitan, watched this guy make pizzas. I was this guy in the industry that kind of had a little bit of a name. At the time, I thought I knew everything. I was young. Um, saw this guy make a pizza super fast to cook faster than I've ever seen. It was sitting in front of me. I was at it. I was saying to myself, I don't know how to make this. I was like, I was almost like just taken back. My wife, I remember, was like, just eat it. Like, what are you like, what are you looking at it for? And, and so I'm looking at this, trying to figure this out. And at the time, uh, that was when respect the craft happened. And that was the year 2000. Uh, it was married in the year 2000. It was in June. And it was a pizza I should have learned first for me. And this is my own personal, like, you know, well-being, my personal growth. It, it was that pizza that was like almost like that pizza 101, even though it's the hardest pizza. Like I went to class and did I learn, you know, algebra first or did, should I learn how to like, you know, just figure out what two plus two equals. and even though the two plus two is super harder <laughs> than what algebra is, if that makes a little sense. So watching this, I needed to learn. I felt like I wasn't respecting my craft and I went back and retaught myself. Um, you know, for me, what I, what I see as operators now, I see a lot of them Googling it. I see a lot of them just going on Instagram, then going on YouTube. There's no personal experience, no personal growth. 
uh, for me, it was a school of hard knocks. Uh, my brother and I screwed up a lot. We, uh, we made a lot of mistakes. I made mistakes. Um, I mean, those are mistakes from not knowing how to purchase correctly to like, I don't know, from bad partnership agreements or no buy sell agreements, uh, wrong corporations should have been an LLC. There's a lot of things for me is like, yeah, you just want your business and you want to, you want to grow and open. Um, and you want to find that money and that capital or an investment to do it. And, and sometimes along the way, you don't realize what's so important, you know, the business side of it. I, I think the mom and pops out there, a lot of people that watch the show, they're great pizza makers. The people that make great pizza, they may make great pizza out of their apartment for 20 people a night and think it's the greatest thing, but not understanding the business side of it, not understanding what buddies is really like or Emos or Don Michele and, and experience what Naples is and, and what it's really about. I feel like they should take that journey. They should take that, that trip. Um, I have a lot of students that I get that say, yeah, I want to do the Neapolitan. I said, well, have you ever had Neapolitan? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, have you, I guess you haven't been to Naples, right? No, I haven't been there. I said, well, isn't it a romantic kind of story to tell your customers like, yeah, when I was in Naples, uh, this is a picture of me here. And, you know, I was here with my wife and, and that's when I fell in love with Naples. I had to have that oven. That oven was there and it's all handmade. It's third generation pizza makers that built that oven. It's made in Italy. Uh, the reason why it's so hot is that mouth is really tiny. That dome is perfect. And the way that flame rolls over it and cooks that pizza it's going to be awesome. Just like in Naples, I can't wait for you to have it. Those kind of stories are like that personal feel, feel like that personal feel is gone a little bit. So a lot of things that I think that people are missing the boat on now, um, I think are important. And that could be going to like somebody and having, uh, you know, a Sicilian in New York, uh, just like it doesn't have to be Naples. I'm just saying Naples, it could be wrong. Uh, going to Bonchi's place and having his pizza and uh, just, and just thinking, Wow, I love to recreate that in America. Um, I think that's important. I agree. And uh, I think it's important to understand the roots, to experience it firsthand versus seeing it on Instagram and trying to recreate the the pizza itself without ever having known. I think I'm just trying to grasp the understanding of like, what if a person can't? What if a person doesn't have the means to travel travel to Naples or fly to Chicago for Bonchi's, the US version even? Um, what can they do? Because I, I don't want people disrespecting the craft, but I want people to be able to respect the craft in an, in an inclusive manner. You know what I mean? Uh, that's open to more people. Well, typically it'd be surprising if a guy that's going to open up a restaurant that can inject 80 G's to a half a million dollars to a million dollars, can't jump on a plane to get to a place. I think it'd be kind of weird if the guy's okay, shooting two unis in his backyard and he's doing Neapolitan. Now he said, Hey, I'm going to leave grandma's house now. And I'm going to actually go open up a brick and mortar with a few of my dot comer friends and go ahead and try and get the money and do it as fast as we can. Now that COVID's over then, okay, that's what they want to do. They want to do. But for me, I always think it's important to experience things. I mean, like if, if the person really can't leave their house uh, and be able to jump on a plane and go to Detroit, I don't know. It's just, it's, I think it's kind of funny, but I know you mentioned it. So, so it's just, uh, you know, I think it just separates maybe, you know, 
me and maybe a few, a lot of other guys. And, and I talk about it. I, I just think there's, for me, there's, it's just such, it's so much more than just making pizza. There's a personal connection to it. There's a love for it. There's a passion behind it. Um, a lot of people like are kind of jumping into it and, and, and kind of doing it. And, and trust me, there's some damn good pizzas out there. I mean, there's people that haven't gone to Detroit or gone there and, and make amazing pizzas and they've watched YouTube and they've gone to pizza expo and they've done as much as they can to do it. For me, I just think it's just, I, I talk to my customers a lot. I, I, I just, I just, it's just, I think it's just me. Like I said, I'm a little bit of an old soul. And, and for me, I was on those trips. I was on a flight uh, before you could Google it, before you could put it on YouTube and see it. So I think maybe there's just some of that there for me. Um, but do I t- t- still tell my students, hey, man, if you're selling this, I, you should probably go to New York and then just hit Joe's and hit, you know, some of these other places just to kind of like know what it's kind of all about. Hit Suprema, man. Go check it out. I think it's one of my favorites, you know, stuff like that. I have to agree with you. If you're going to run a business, you should, you have a write-off right there, you know, go travel, write it off and then uh, count it against your income. And that way you can experience it uh, and, and stay respectful of the craft. I like those suggestions. Or just only have every style and then you don't have to go anywhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Fly to SF and then Do visit, we, take we me have- with you is every day at Tony's and you'll see them flipping over and taking pictures of the coal fire bottom and the Neapolitan bottom. And like, they'll look at the Sicilian in Detroit and grandma and y'all, Oh, it is different. And I'll be with my, my, my chef. Y'all I wonder what pizzeria they're going to open. And so we'll, we'll kind of figure it out. We'll go by there. So are you guys in the business? Um, oh, no, no, no. So you're going to open a place. Oh yeah. We're going to open a place. So, oh, okay. So what do you, you must be doing a Detroit and Roman concept. Uh, how did you know? Well, I don't know. I don't think I've seen, I mean, unless you're a Yelper and you're this like crazy blogger, I mean, you're, it's pretty obvious. Oh, okay. Could I look at your kitchen? I'm like, sure. Come on, come in the back. <laughs> it's like, it's pretty funny. <laughs> and, and you're cool with that for the most part. Uh, people take tours of the kitchen all the time. I mean, like, unless we're slammed and we just can't do it. Uh, I bring people in the kitchen all the time and have them look at it. I mean, almost, I mean, not nightly, but pretty regularly. I had a visit from Chris on arena today actually from metro pizza they swung by what oh that's so cool you know they surprised me and said i wanted to hang out for a little bit and they're with laura my my chef laura meyer so um yeah they kind of surprised me today i fill decker up decker eats more pizza than anybody decker will eat like 10 pizzas i swear to god uh, and finished with saucer just to let you know so <laughs> he told me he was like the only things i consume are pizza ice cream and coffee and i believe it now so i want to tell a little story to the folks here the first time i ever met you uh i went to tony's uh, pizza napoletana for my birthday and i asked the host hey is tony here i'd like for him to sign my book and she said oh he's probably around to his multiple businesses and right before we were entering to go eat, you come meet me and you say, what's up? You sign my book. You write respect the craft. And now you're telling me today that you made time for uh, folks who come into your restaurant and give them a tour. And then you make time for Chris Decker and John Arena. And you have also a million other things on your plate. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I, I got a ton of stuff going on. I, I love the business. I, I love to show people a good time. I like people to enjoy themselves. 
yeah, I got crazy things going on and things are going bad. And I try not to share the bad stuff that's going on. And, and um, I got a lot of crazy stuff, but I, I try to make, make as much time as I can. Cause I think we're all in it together. Um, a lot of us are, you, you're somehow tapped into this industry in a way. Uh, John and Chris surprised me today. Um, I got somebody coming later today. Um, I, I try to make time as much as I can. I, not everything is a one hour tour and we're hanging out. I wish it could be, but um, I love my industry. I, I love my restaurants. I love to talk pizza, but I try to make time for everyone. Um, you'll see that at Expo. You'll see that uh, in my everyday life and emails and, and posts. So yeah, I love it. Are there any hard sacrifices that you had to make in the last 30 years that you can recall? You know, leaving my brother, I was there for 17 years. I wanted to have my own place after nine years. I won a couple championships. I wanted another one. It after 15 years, I, I never could get my own place. Um, I didn't get the funding from my mom and dad. My, my brother kind of took that. Uh, my grandpa, uh, he didn't have the funding. My, my, my brother got funding from them. So for me, I was this sort of young guy in the game for 17 years. I, I had to find investors. I didn't go to college. I didn't write a business plan. I wanted a place to my own. Um, my, my, my parents, everybody say, hey, just stay with your brother. I didn't. Uh, it was the hardest thing to do was, a, hey, family business. Uh, no, I, I have all these ideas. I want to do all this. Um, everybody said, why are you doing this? What are you doing this for? The whys and whats. When people don't understand your vision, uh, you always get, why are you doing that? What are you doing this for? You know. So for me to kind of like say, hey, I, I need to not listen to anybody and, and, and move forward and figure out how to do it. Um, and open up Tony's and Slice House next to each other, and and for it to be what it is today, uh, it, it was a lot. It was very hard. Um, you know, there was a lot of self confidence. Uh, you know, when people don't know what you want to do, understand what you want to do, they don't get it, and then they just want you to kind of step back and say, "Hey, don't." You know, how do you do innovation? How do you do something that's never been done? And when things something's never been done, it's always the question. And uh, that's been like that for me from pizza acrobatics to how-to videos, to starting a school. Why do you want to tell people your recipes? Well, why does American styles matter? I mean, Neapolitan in Italy, I mean, that, that's really should be the style. Why, why does it matter uh, that you're going to teach somebody New York or Chicago or Detroit? Always, always been like that. And now what's the hottest things to learn? Detroit, Chicago, Cracker Thin stuff. So it's, it's always been a challenge for me. Um, and it's like, you know, it's, it's you who's going to do it. You got to feel confident in you and to be able to figure it out. And at the same time, you don't want to lose your house and lose, uh, you want to make some money and you want to be able to do it right. Um, but you want to do it, what, do what you want to do. So, so I think it's always been a challenge for me is, is um, doing what's never been done. And uh, the independent operators, there's a camaraderie that we have. Uh, a lot of people, there's, there's not another industry like it. You'll see it at Pizza Expo. Uh, it's almost like the chains and then the little guys, the independent guys. And was it, you know, 52% at one time, independent operators and chains, and then did it change and shift? And, and you know, when you look at like Nino Coniglio, you look at guys in the industry that we all get around and meet. Um, there's guys like that, like John Arena, uh, Mike Bausch, um, Nicole Beam. I mean, all of us kind of Audrey Sherman. I mean, Smokovich to Ann Kim. 
when you look, when I'm saying the names here, these are pizza operators, pizzaiolas and pizzaiolos that uh, are here. And, and, and I think that we, there is a competitiveness involved. We, we do compete a little bit, but at the same time, we have each other's back and we're always learning from each other. So it's a great industry that we're in and I love it. And I want to continue the independent like renaissance that's there. I'm getting big. I have over 30 stores. I'm in the Raiders. I'm in the Giants. He's has Slice House here. He's in that casino. But I'm always the voice of the independent operator. I don't care how big I get. And uh, am I considered a big guy now, not a single unit operator? Do riders kind of shy away from riding uh, about me because, oh, he has all these stores. He doesn't. But we're still innovative. We create the curve. For me, I'm still teaching and I'm still learning. And so I, uh, I mean, I just love the industry. You know, what's interesting is I happened to land on a podcast with Danny Meyer today. Uh, I was just listening and it, it popped up on my feed. Do you know who Danny Meyer is? Of course. Of course. And Danny is the founder of many uh, amazing restaurants in New York that are very um, independent. And then he is also the founder of Shake Shack, uh, a public company now. And is there a possibility in the future for any one of your restaurants licenses to become a publicly traded company? Yeah, I think Slice House is a model that you'll see grow nationwide. I mean, that's a concept that I've been working on for a while. You'll see that, you've seen that growth if you've ever kind of paid attention to what I'm doing. And I think the big thing is, is, you know, how do you do multiple units to be able to still have the quality and consistency out there? I mean, that's hard as hell. I mean, me being at Tony's, doing it, being there every day, like I was, um, but teaching somebody, grooming somebody, coaching somebody. I, I mean, for me, if you look at competitors, and, and I think, it, you know, Tiago, uh, Matt Molina, Laura Meyer, you look at Matt Taylor, like, like some of the people or, or, or students that like Smokovich or Ann Kim um, that I've had. Um, my dad was the coach. He was my soccer coach. I learned a lot from watching my dad. Could I be great in, in, at something? I, I could be. But to teach somebody to be great or watch somebody become the greatest, uh, I think that's another uh, thing. So, you know, and that goes back to seeing talking to about guy, old school guys that say, oh, I, I'll never share my sauce recipe. I'll never do that. Or, or this is me or this. I'm the only one who touches the pizza here. And then all of a sudden they, they have multiple units now and they, 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 they've shown somebody how to make something. Uh, they've changed. I mean, I think it's an old way of thinking. So I'm used to teaching. I'm used to grooming. Am I going to get a lot of slack or do I still get it? Like say, no, your slice house was good, but now you have eight stores and it's not as good. It's the same pepperoni, same cheese, same flour. Everything's the same. Could it be off? Yeah. Could we have a bad night? Sure. Can the consistency be off and, and we can get to that or address it? Yeah. I mean, things like that happen at every restaurant, but I think it's important for me to prove that, Hey, you could be the little guy and you could grow. And what you can grow is into, hey, a 9,000 square foot concept like Pizza Rock, a 900 square foot slice house like uh, Slice House in Walnut Creek, or a Tony's or a Chicago concept Capos, um, or a bakery like Toscano Brothers or Bagels. I mean, I think that if the operator that has a single unit or is getting in the business 
can say, hey, I, I would love to be like this one day and have all these. Or there may be an operator says, I just want one and that's all I want. And that's cool. And I said that to myself a long time ago. And then, of course, I got change and I'm nuts. And I'm like, hey, let's do let's do this. So let's do that. Um, I think it's great to be able to see somebody like a Danny Meyer that is a chef that it has all these cool concepts. And then he grabbed that one Shake Shack and made into this mega uh, franchise or chain or whatever you want to call it. I think that's pretty awesome. And I think that if he can control it as long as he can before maybe it sells off one day and maybe somebody screws it up. Like we'll slice house one day and we have a hundred, we have a 5,000 units and a big guy buys it. Will they screw it up? It, it could, they could very much. So, so we'll see what happens. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like you're, you've closed the idea off and I'd be interested. I'd be interested to see that play out in the future, just wherever it goes. You mentioned Toscano brothers and you also have, Dago. Is that, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, there's Dago Bagel, Toscano Brothers. And then within that bakery, there's another concept that's launching called Antonio's uh, Italian Pastries. It's actually starting on Thursday, this Thursday. Bread, bagels, pastries. Congratulations. You are crazy. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, you have so many things juggling. I just wanted to ask you, like, why did it make sense to do three concepts in one uh, versus just calling it Toscano Brothers and serving the three? That's a good question. Um, so two years ago, I was going to take over a bakery, an old bakery, Italian-French bakery uh, up the street from Tony's, and it didn't go through. This went through the whole summer of working out a lease. It didn't happen, and it didn't happen on the summer of 2019 it uh, I didn't move forward it comes around I'm thinking about a bakery COVID hits 2020 thank god I didn't sign that lease actually that would have been a mess um and during COVID I saw that hey I wanted to still open a bakery up uh was working on the bagel concept and bakery through all of COVID um Tony's which is to my right here um was getting parklets being built. All these things were being built. I knew that it would be busier than what it was in 2019 when 2021 was going to hit because we're going to have double the seating. So I said, I really need to figure out where to do dough production, move the mixers out of, let's find a hub, let's do the bakery out of it, the bagel shop. So all this kind of erupted during COVID, found a location, started building it. And it was a two-year process. I mean, it was a long process. So a lot of people are saying, oh, you jumped on the bagel bandwagon. Well, dude, this was like two years and it never happened. So it finally happens. And we make great. Uh, so I have Giovanni's in the neighborhood, a slice house in the neighborhood, the bakery in the neighborhood. So we all refrigerated cabinets. So I said, well, the, the pastry side of it, we can make pastries here and sell pastries out of uh, into the other locations. I'm not going to put Tony's name on it. I'm going to call it Antonio's Italian Pastries, North Beach. If somebody wanted to buy pastries for their cafe, coffee shop, whatever, they can buy from Antonio's. It doesn't have Tony Gimignani like it, like it does. So then we have the bakery, Toscano Brothers, and that was a bread bakery that I was working on with Nikki, Nikki and Kichuso from uh, Central Milling. Um, so that, that was the bread component. Now, sourdough, 100% sourdough bread, 
baguettes, uh, all these different breads. And then there was the bagel component. So it's funny. I was thinking of a bagel name during the whole uh, pandemic. A, a friend of mine, who's also my attorney, Adam Sachs, he's a bread uh, bread genius, magician, attorney uh, on my pizza team. Uh, I taught him how to make pizzas. Um, him and I were working on bagels forever. Um, the reason why it's called Dago Bagel, which you're like, how the heck did he call it Dago Bagel? Um, was during the middle of the pandemic, I had somebody was trying to close me. In the middle of the pandemic, Tony's was open, but 30% of all the restaurants were, were open. 70% were closed during the pandemic. So like you had Joe's, you had me, you had one guy there. Everybody, it was dark. And so when you're busy, it was busy. When you had Uber drivers out front and there was a stay at home order, it was insane with Uber drivers. It was just, whoever was open was crazy in the pizza business. And anybody can say that unless they had a hundred seats or over. So, so I kept on having health department come down. The, all these different departments came down. The entertainment commission, the city attorney called me, all, all these things. Like, so who's complaining? Who's mad that I'm open right now? Like, come on, tell me. They want to tell me. Somebody's calling in. Somebody's pissed. Anyways, we find out that it's a neighbor and a neighbor's um, uh, a neighbor. We got into it uh, in front of a bus stop, which I'm pointing to right here because I'm in my office right there. We're, we're, we're arguing. And he's with a friend who's mad that I'm open. So he's pissed off. He's mad. I don't, this friend, I don't really know. He's a friend of the neighbors. We get into it. My wife's there. My GM's there. So later, several weeks later, we're in front of Tony's or I'm in front of Tony's and uh, the friend comes by and he, we, we get into it a little bit. And he says, Hey, who, who told you I called on you? And I said, look, you told me like a few weeks ago that you called on me. You showed me my phone. You said, have you ever been by your place at night? I said, I'm here every day. I said, just get out of here, man. He's all you effing dagos are alike. You're nothing but effing dagos. You come here. You're good for nothing. You're nothing but greasy wops. Hey, tough guy. You want to come around this building? I'll sh why don't you show me how much a tough guy you are, you effing dago? I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, Now this guy's pissed about me being Italian or Portuguese or Spanish. He's just mad that I'm a dago. So. I don't get into a fight with him. I told him to move along, to pretty much get the F out of here. I could have punched the guy's lights out. Trust me. The guy's an older man. I don't know why he said it and what his deal was. I don't know. He's just, he moved along. I got pissed, called Adam. And he said, you know, maybe you should go do a police report. I said this, and I'm pissed. I'm just pissed. Cause you know, you get into it with somebody and this guy's pointing at your neck, you, 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 you know, and you're just like, you know, you're mad. And I'm mad right now. I'm getting red. So this happens. I do a, a police report because the police have enough going on. I'm like, okay, man. Hey, Tony, what's up? We don't, I, I just want to do a police report. Okay. This guy called me this. I don't, if the guy burns my place down, I, I, I wanted to at least know he's a neighborhood kind of guy. This is what he's wearing. Where's black? Where's the hat? And, you know, okay. We took it down, blah, blah, blah. So I went back and to the restaurant and I said, I called Adam. I'm going to call it Dago Bagel. I'm Adam's attorney. I don't know about that. They, you know, could go a certain way. I, listen, man, I'm so pissed off at this guy. Every time he sees that effing sign, he's going to think of me. Screw that guy. I don't give a shit. I, you know, so we, we got into it. And, and he's like, you know, it could go different ways. I said, you know what? I know it could go different ways. And people take back names. And this name, reason why it 
And, and anybody under 40 probably doesn't know what the word means. And anybody over 40 probably does. It's like one of those words is very old school. If you and I are Italian and we are, oh, you eat like a Dago. Ah, ha, ha, that's, it's kind of funny. When I say you effing Dago, I'm going to kick you. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a little different. So bagel, the bagel concept is definitely an entity of its own. And out of all, well, the pastries haven't started, but the bagels are definitely the busiest so yeah, there's three concept in 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 one. If um, local cafes want to buy uh, bagels, which we do, uh, we are selling. Um, they're able to do that now because we have enough production. And yeah, that's kind of like the short story of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that's going pretty well right now. Well, congratulations! It sounds like the best way to get revenge is uh, show putting up a sign to remind them every day that. He's an asshole. Congratulations. Yes. Heard more great stories from Italians in the neighborhood about that word, about their grandfather that, hey man, I, I mean, I've heard when I opened, I had letters. <laughs> I, had, I had letters. I had, I had emails. I had uh, people coming in telling me that they were bullied and they would call him that or my grandfather or my dad hated that word. He did that. You know, I'm glad you're taking that back. You know, it was it was one of those things. And I remember that word too growing up. I mean, I mean, we, we had a farm. We had my grandpa. We lived with my grandpa. Um, so yeah, it it um it was an interesting time, and I wasn't gonna put it on Facebook or I wasn't gonna do a GoFundMe. I wasn't it wasn't that. I mean, there's a lot more shit going on in this world, trust me. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot going on that, that are even more serious than this. I opened up my little store, the Chronicle wrote about it. It went national. Everybody was going crazy. I said, have you tried the bagels yet? <laughs> you know, I'd like you to try the bagels. I mean, like, I know the name's crazy. There's a, a new book coming out about um, racial, like, ethnic slurs. And and uh, I got, uh, I'm in this new book coming out, which was kind of interesting. So I told them the story, a writer uh, who, who's from Berkeley, who lives in LA now. So it was interesting just from that little piece that happened and what I named this place to where it really became, uh, where it really went to. Um, but, uh, but no, the bagels are pretty awesome. True New York bagel. Hey, you'll love it. I've, I've turned more New Yorkers that have come in, uh, old school New Yorkers that like love it. So they're my best customers. I can't wait to try it. And I think we have a lot more people that have it on the radar now after you've described it. So thank you. Um, it sounds to me like the local community really has your back. And I, I think, you know, um, I wanted to just see if I could get a few words from you to maybe express um, what your local community of San Francisco means to you and your business yeah, so North Beach, you know, is San Francisco's little Italy. I got married here, um, you know, um, 21 years ago. I uh, went, I'm part of the Italian club. But when you're Italian and, uh, you know, you come into the neighborhood, you just, it's the dinner night out. You know, you're finding kind of going on a date, going, trying to find a cool place to go. I mean, it was a club I always went to called Highball Lounge. It had swing music back in the day. Um you know, it's your drinking holes, your watering holes that you go to, you know, this, I, I was in this neighborhood doing Italian festivals, North Beach Festival, since I was 18 years old. And I was drinking before I was 21 years old here. <laughs> so, I mean, I, this was the place to go when I came to San Francisco for a long time, especially when you were younger. And it meant a lot to me. Um, and this neighborhood means a lot to me. 
when you think of love in your neighborhood, uh, San Francisco has neighborhoods. I mean, like the mission, you have Russian Hill. I mean, everybody has their neighborhood. So I think it's important to grow in your neighborhood. I think people think that you just need one business in your neighborhood and that's it. I think of North Beach and San Francisco as having that European kind of feel to it. Uh, you know, you should have that bakery you can go to, your pizza shop you can go to, to find fine chocolates. Um, you know, you can go to, I think those are the kind of things that are kind of missing when the big supermarkets came in and you can go to your deli and everything's there and it's a one-stop shop. For me, I think it's great to find your fresh pasta, Giovanni's and go get your bread or bagels at the bagel, you know, at our bakery um, or a pastry and get your slice of pizza here and a cocktail there. Like for me, I think it's important. So the neighborhood's super important to me. Um, I, I love my neighborhood. So they, they've, most of them have been good to me. I mean, like, you know, you go in a neighborhood, you're busy. Some people can be jerks or be upset. Um, you know, for me, I think it's important for everyone to be busy. Honestly, I think it just brings just brings more people into the neighborhood to see who you are. And and I think when now when you come into the neighborhood and it's Washington Square Park, which I can see right here. That's why I'm kind of looking at it because I'm pointing, hey, here and here and down here. Down here is Giovanni's. Straight across from me is uh, St. Peter and Paul's Church. Tony's and Slice House is to my right. So if I'm pointing a lot, doing all that, because literally I'm right here. Uh, my office is right here. So I love it. Very cool. Tony, I know we are a little past time. I wanted to ask you, how are you doing? I have two questions that I normally end the show with, but I'm totally okay if you have to get going. Yeah, give me them real quick because I do have to do a meeting. Okay, cool. Um, what is one mistake that people can avoid in the pizza business? Man, I had a lot of mistakes in the pizza business. Um, one mistake is just maybe researching your oven a little bit. Choose your style before you choose your oven. A lot of people fall in love with this oven. They say, oh my God, look at that oven. It's amazing. And a lot of students say, I want a Woodstone oven. And what do you want to make? Chicago deep dish. Oh, Woodstone oven's a little hot for Chicago deep dish. Yeah, but I already ordered it and it's right in front. It's amazing. So I would say research your ovens and mixers. You know, um, it's like buying a car. I mean, it's your big ticket item. Some people want to pay $2,500 less for this one. And it's like, yeah, but it's used or it's beat up or you may not know if that electrical panel works right. So there are a lot of things that um, that you, you, you know, do your research. Go to Pizza Expo. I mean, you see everything. It's the Super Bowl. Like if you want every pepperoni manufacturer, everything. I mean, go to go to Pizza, pizza Expo. I mean, I think it's I've been going there straight for 30, almost 30 years now. Wow. And I look forward to seeing you there. And my final question of the night. Uh, what do you want to leave the audience with today? Oh, I think leaving the audience with just uh, learning as much as you can. You never stop learning. Uh, for me, I, I'm always learning. I'm always researching. Um, people think that I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm like, I'm into it all the time. I pay attention to everything. I think it's important to understand that and just understand the business a little bit before you jump into it. I know sometimes things get exciting. Uh, you get excited about, uh, you get passionate about things, but take baby steps sometimes before you jump into it. Don't bet your house or put a second mortgage on it because I'd hate anyone to get in it, into it. Um, you're always, I mean, you're always over budget. I mean, it's almost always. I mean, am I 15, 20, 30% over budget on anything I build? Totally. Is everything 
longer than what it takes. Usually, the, should you make sure you don't sign personal guarantees and sign a great lease and make sure it's solid to protect yourself and your family for sure. So there's a lot of things that you should look out at. Um, for and I can't tell you how much HR and accounting are important too. Um, now that I've grown bigger and I mean, it's all HR and accounting that, uh, I'm still trying to get better at love what you do. You know, I, I love it. If you don't love it, you're going to hate going to work every day. Absolutely. Tony, you've been so gracious with your time. I know you had a busy day today and I want to thank you for making the time to speak with me and the listeners. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. I like your shirts in the back. Go pizza. Leah. I love pizza. Leah. Tony, thank you so, so much for taking the time and making the time, not just for talking to me and educating me and the listeners, but really, I want to thank you for all of the work that you've done to push pizza forward. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. To you, the listener, thank you as well. Thank you for listening this far, and I hope you enjoyed the show. And please do join me in thanking Tony by messaging him on Instagram or even sharing this episode and tagging the both of us. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Till next time. Peace.